couch. And I told her, I said, I came home, I was shaking, my heart was pounding because I knew I was gonna, and I just, I said, and I, I, I'm not a real super serious guy, you know? And right. I sat her down and I looked right in her and I said, honey, I gotta tell you something. And it's the worst thing I've had to tell you in 25 years. In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, live faith the rise. Live faith the rise. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and today's episode is entitled Recovery is Dope. And the special guest today is our main man, Billy. For everyone in the Sober is Dope community, you know from day one, I always talked about Billy, Billy Brown and how he affected me with the podcast. So I'm excited to have Billy on today as an expert in the recovery sector of the Sober is Dope podcast as it pertains to drug use and opioids. He's going to come on and tell us his story and share his testimony. So hang in there and please enjoy. Today's episode is with my really good and dear friend, Billy Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if the Sober's Dope podcast would have made it this long if it wasn't for the love and encouragement from my first and biggest supporter, Billy Brown. Billy was the first person that reached out to me and gave me his personal struggle and testimony and was the first person to let me know how much the Sober's Dope podcast helped him. And when I say that, it if it's personal for me because at the time I didn't even know if I had an audience, if I was reaching anyone, or even if it hit home. So to be at a point where someone would reach out and say my story was something that they identify with, it really was um, a force that I didn't even see coming. It hit me with a wave of emotion, and I said, "You know what? I'm gonna. I'm never gonna stop because if my message could help other people." then it's just, it's bigger than me. And that's why I really wanted to start the Sober Stove podcast. So I'm excited to have Billy on today. And um, I, I can't, I really, I really want to just get down to it because he's such an exciting individual. Ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, here's my conversation with my good friend, downtown Billy Brown. Hey, Billy. Hey, how you doing, my friend? Can you hear me? My main man, Pop. Oh, there you go, my main man, Billy. God bless hey. you. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are, finally. You're my family, man. I swear hey. to God. Hey, man. All that stuff I say to you all the time, all the emails. Yes. That ain't no joke. I mean. I, I hear you. You know. I, yes, you know. I know. I know. You, you sparked me, brother. Well, uh, hey, you sparked me also, and um, I'm so happy because I was just telling my girl, I was like, you know, guess who I'm talking to today? She was like, who? I was like, my main man, Billy, and she was like, you talking to Billy? So in my life, uh, people, you know, my family, when they hear your name, they know that you were the first person that really gave me validity in what I was doing, and 
Um, I didn't know what I was really doing when I first did the podcast. I just knew I was trying to tell my story, right? Yeah. And it was just like when you when I got your email, I said, wait a minute, this is bigger than me, and this is why I started. And when you was like, hey, Pop, you know, I, I heard your um, podcast, and it helped me. I was just like, you know what, this is, I'm, it's important for us to share. And that's when it really got real for me. So thank you for one, reaching out to me. And thank you for being you, bro. Seriously. Yo, I, I was, I was in, so, so from my perspective, here's what it was. I was like, it was, it was the third time in seven years. I was going to give it a shot to stop taking them pills again on my own. Yes. Like, like my wife, she has 32 years clean in NA. Everybody thinks I'm clean. They all think I got 25 years. My kids think I'm clean. I mean, and and so here I was again. I was gonna try to stop on my own without telling anybody. And then I go, okay, I got a plan. I'm gonna get online and find some online recovery. I ain't going back to them meetings. I ain't All going right. back to the program. That shit didn't work for me before. Yes. I said, I'm gonna get my, and I won't have to tell nobody. And I'm just gonna somehow keep this secret. And that's where I was at. Yes. And then I started hearing you. I re, like God put you there because your voice, your story, that you were a crit, you know, that you believed in Jesus, that you had, had a, you know, you had a story of disease and recovery I could hear you and you weren't just all about the program you were well-rounded because that's how I am I was into health and fitness and all that thing when I was clean but I had lost all that and with the pills yes. yes and so I was like this is how I'm gonna do recovery I'm just gonna find recovery online I ain't gonna tell nobody I'm just gonna stop and then boom and, and so I started listening to the podcast. I remember like that second or third night, I listened to Creative the Creative Miracles, and I was kicking. Wow. And I was in my bed yeah. in the spare room, which I spent a lot of time in because I was, I was going through, it was just all the time. I couldn't sleep. I had night terrors, sweats, and I didn't want Wendy to know. So I'd just go in the other room and say, oh, I don't want to bother you. I can't sleep. And I did that for years, Pop. Yeah. And then I listened to that episode and I got through that night clean and I got a couple hours sleep. I had I had the earbuds in and I just knocked out listening to it. And that's when I sent you that first email. And then boom, you do a you do an episode on that Thursday about relapsing in secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh shit, this fool's talking about making me tell on myself. <laughs> and I, I couldn't hear, I couldn't do it. And then but then it just I said, but wait a minute, before this dude said it like said that, you were all in with him. Like yes. you were you were you were connected with him. Correct. So why all of a sudden, because he says this thing you don't want to hear, are you gonna change? I said, that's stupid. That would be foolish. And I just started thinking along them lines, and then I just said, you know, I'm gonna tell Wendy. And that opened up the door to everything, like you said, when you tell your loved ones and you get the secret out. And the disease had me in such a bind thinking she would leave. You know, you remember? Yes, kids, yes. Kids would be disgraced by me. I thought I was going to disparage the name of God because yes. everybody in the rooms knew I was a Christian. And I thought, oh, I'm going to blow my testimony. And none of them people were ever going to believe in God again and think God's a big phony. The disease used all that stuff on me to keep me loaded and keep me in isolation and away from freedom. And, and you know what, Billy, and that's so important because so many people, they build their identity around their recovery and that's fair, but we can't forget the fundamentals that, you know, we're once an addict, potentially always an addict, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, and the right. thing is, when you build your identity around, you know, this, 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 uh, and, and it's also, I tell people, you know, there's a certain dimension of attention seeking or a certain uh, 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 dimension of just, hey, whoa, look at me. And then you build this facade, up, which is a good and healthy facade. But if that crumbles, then you're lost. So in your case, you had so much, it, it was so much courage because what people didn't hear was how fast you got it together. Like you really built on it 
like every email I got after that was some form of progress to this day, right? So we're and what we're on, we're a year and almost one month to date. We're a year and a month to date, right? It's July no, no, on the eighteenth. On two eight, more days, two, yeah, two, months, yeah, thirteen months, yeah, yeah, thirteen months, and look at that. So one, congratulations, because you went from. I want to talk to you about the when you first your first signature when you wrote that first email. It was Billy fucked, and you was describing yourself in this particular way, like pop. I don't know, my life is upside down. Don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm fucked catch you on the you know i'll catch you later right and that was day one so day one so when you was describing your day one for everyone was that when you that night the next day after you had that first clean day or was that before yeah so so the last day i used was that it was a monday the monday after father's day of 2019 which something you know the letter my daughter Sydney gave me on Father's Day, the way that my wife was just getting in my face and going, you're the best dad, oh, like man. all these things. But I couldn't, and all I could say to them was, you only know the half of it. That was how I felt, right? And, but that night, I, w- I woke up that Monday determined to stop. I'm like, I have, this shit has got to stop. Because they think this, but this is this. Correct. And then, and, and then that's when I came up with the grand scheme that I'm going to do online recovery. So that Monday was the last day I weaned myself off of the last pill. Right? Right. And then, but I was excited because I had heard you. And so it was a trip was when I, when I uh, searched podcasts on Spotify, recovery podcast, yours was the first one that came up. The name, your face on the, on the, on the intro picture. I said, I'm, I'm going to listen to this dude. And, and I'm telling you, it was just a God shot. And I, cause I could just hear it. God, that was a divine appointment. God orchestrated that. And so I think I listened to all the back episodes at that point, which I think you'd been on a couple months yes. that day. Cause I'm outside, I'm a pool guy. I'm working all day. I got my headphones on like, yes. like what you have on there. And I just was listening, like, I gotta get some good stuff in. I gotta reprogram my mind. I gotta, I need recovery, but I can't go tell on myself. Yes. I can't take no newcomer chip. I can't take that walk of shame. They got no grace. So um, they're gonna laugh at you. They're gonna say, see, that's what happens when a dude goes from NA and goes off to church and becomes a Jesus freak and yeah. all that, right? Oh, right, right. And so I was afraid. Um, Tuesday was the last day I, I didn't take anything that day and I was I knowing I was going to go into withdrawal knowing it was going to get fuzzy and I had done this before and not been successful by Friday I was usually I'd stop for about five days a couple of times in the seven years and by the fifth day I was like toast but I had never checked into any kind of recovery Correct. so I said I really want to stay stopped maybe this is it Tuesday night, I'm like, I know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are critical nights because it's going to get real. The kick. And I'm by myself. I have a couple of confidants out there, but one of them's using, and the other one was a church guy that I'm very close to, and he was there for me. But I I usually don't do it like that. I've kicked before. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to just... I made this bed. I'm asleep in it. God help me. Correct. Correct. And that was, and so I, when I heard Creative Miracles and the episode, that first episode you did on prayers, and I'm not Catholic. I'm more of an evangelical Christian. Yes. But I, I just said, I latched on, man, like Velcro. Yes. <laughs> and I'm taking yes. this to bed with me, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to this because I trust you. Yes. God, I, I just knew. I just knew your voice had a soothing. Your calm way, the music you played, your 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 uh, your freaking your your hip hop you know rhyming intro, everything. It's Thank just like you, yeah. God used it, and it yeah. it just gave it. It was the peak. It was just like the the hook for me, man. Oh man, you know, thank you so much for sharing that because um, 
I was that darkness. Not uh, only another person could understand that darkness, right? And how hard it was. Like when you're kicking, when you're going through that withdrawal, when you're scared, you're uncertain. You don't know what's gonna be the thing to bring you back in. So that's yeah. why I designed. I, I was designing everything on the podcast to reflect my darkness. Like I knew. I said there was nothing around at the time when I was struggling. You know, going back all the way almost eight years ago when I was really in that darkness, I, I didn't, it was just, it was hard. It was I, no podcast. We had regular cell phones. The internet yeah. wasn't, it was just, everything was just kicking off. We had like MySpace and, um, you know, Facebook wasn't really that big. It was still right. kind of like, and I just always said, what, like, what would I need? What would be the tool? So when I did transformation and miracles and stuff like that, I was talking from the perspective of where you was at, you know, being in that perpetual darkness, having the door shut on you, being closed, not knowing how to express yourself, feeling trapped, not being able to go to everyone with the truth and knowing that there's this impending danger and doom. And most addicts, if not all of us have to deal with that. And so I wanted to bring you on today for one thank you for sharing that because there's millions of people out there right now that's in the place where you were and there's a million people out there that's in the place where I was and our our testimonies mean a lot so thank you so I wanted to ask you about this phrase I'm gonna read it to you you said I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and having broken fellowship in my heart and reality with my life and kids. So can you talk to us a little bit about the dangers and of like dealing with our addiction or potential relapse and secrecy? Because I know when I did that episode, just so you know, that episode was specifically meant for you because that, that was after you sent that initial email and I was answering your question, which was a tough one. I know you was like, I don't know what to do. And I was saying to you, well, relapsing in secrecy is tough, but there's a chance that if you go to your loved ones, it's going to be okay, right? And it took you a minute to get there. But how initially, what's some of the fears that held you back from sharing with your family? And can you, can you help the next addict with, if that's relapsing in secrecy right now, that's ashamed and don't know what to do? Can you give them advice as the expert in this subject in regards to your addiction? So the first thing, let me tell you, my first reaction when I heard that podcast, that, that episode, I said, Who's this dude? <laughs> he don't know me. Yeah. He don't know my life. All of a sudden, I turned on you. Yeah, the yeah. disease was like, the disease, the devil, all of them were just like, boom. Yeah. But you had covered all that stuff in your episodes already yeah. up to that point. Like, you talked about the disease. You talked about the demonic uh, yeah. force of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was easy for me to see with a couple of days of clarity, a little bit, that that's what it was and I'm like you're coming at this dude that before you listen to this episode you loved and now and so I'm seeing it's trying to keep me down so I just said man I gotta not listen to that right okay right right I gotta take his word because that's the only good word I got right now and my fear though was overwhelming and that's why I reacted that way reacted that way because for one this is my second marriage yes my kids when i when i when i split up with my first wife who's my kid's mother they were three and one they were babies and that immediately that marriage was broken up and i was separated from my kids and had to go on that whole divorce attorney and that whole thing and it was one of the major traumas of my life getting divorced okay and and I've learned about trauma from you and how it affects my psyche. And that was, you know, that was when I was, you know, 29, 30 years old. And I had experienced similar traumas along the journey of my life beginning in childhood, but I never could identify that stuff and identify it as a reason that I used. So I was worried that was going to happen again with Wendy. We had been married at that point, 20, 19 years. We've been together 24 years. We have a you know, a beautiful life. She had just told me what a great dad and husband and hardworking and how I keep the family together. And I was thinking, 
as soon as I tell her the betrayal she's going to feel, she's going to leave, right? Yeah. I thought my kids would knock me off of that pedestal and think I was just a, you know, a scumbag. Yeah. This is what the disease was telling me. I was going to disparage, you know, the name of God. I was going to be a disappointment to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and everybody, you know? Right. These were the fears that were keeping me. I felt like, here's how I would visually, you know, the, the, the word picture I can give you. Yes. I was in a cell, mm -hmm. just me, in a chair, and all this, like, loud speakers in this little concrete room with a chair in it was pounding at me and yelling at me, saying, she's going to leave you. You're a scumbag. Your kids are going to hate you. God's going to hate you. The people, all the people in the 12-step fellowship, all your friends that care about you, they're going to think you're a liar. They're never going to trust you again. All this was booming at me 24-7. <clears throat> and once in a while, a little slit in the door of that cell would open and a little plate would come in and there would be some pills on it. Mm. When I took those pills, all the noise went away for a few hours. Mm. But I knew it was going to come back. Yes, louder. Pills, and there weren't enough pills on that plate. And if I took enough pills off that plate, if they put a whole pile, I'd kill myself. I'd take, them, I'd take so many that I'd kill myself to quiet the noise. Mm -hmm. And and then the, then the, then the door, little door on the door would shut and he'd go away. And I, that was my life. And I thought, man, with all that noise in my head and the disease, I thought my life as I knew it would be over like it was with my first marriage. And I would end up back living with some addict and on his couch and, you know, starting over again at, you know, 54, 53 years old yeah. in that same place I had had to start over again at 29. <clears throat> Oh my God! Yes, and you—that wasn't—that uh, wasn't for you. So we're identifying a theme: is fear, and it's these voices and these ideas of what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And they—they're powerful, but they tend to always be inaccurate and uh, um, dishonest, yeah. right? So yeah. when they say fear is a liar, we know yeah. because. It's one thing I want to say to every addict in the world: no matter where you are in your addiction. Everyone around you, although there's cases where people may feel a little disappointed and stuff, they're always going to be happy and to see you taking steps towards your recovery, right? Because I used to do the same thing. And my story was when I was living with my, not the girlfriend I'm with now, who's the love of my life, and she's the one that helped me. The one prior to that was a very judgmental person that I looked at, that I, I was with. And when I would be doing well, I'm like, I was like, cool. And the moment I had a, yeah, yeah, the moment I had a slip or, or, or anything, it was like the way they looked at me and made me feel was so horrible that I just felt like a total loser. And that would propel me deeper into the addiction. So there was a degree of fear that you had that was justified. But the thing that you did that was miraculous was you kicked past that fear and said, okay, eventually I'm going to have to face this. And whether it goes well or not, at least by facing it, I'll still have my, it'll be, I'll be closer to my recovery, right? So when we retreat in the what if and the fear, we stay in the addiction longer. Yeah. So the message that I want to share to everyone out there is, look, there's a, probably a 10% chance people is going to sh shun you and judge you, but there's a 90% chance that it's going to go your way. But in the middle is still your recovery and you getting closer to your truth. So take the leap anyway. Right. Yeah. So there was a, the next time was, so you broke through you, you, you did the work on yourself first before you revealed it to your family. And I want to talk about that. So I remember when you first said, okay, pop, I'm gonna, you know, you got, you, you started to, um, get off of the pills. You had that one day, then that one day turned into two. Then I, then you started sending me the numbers, and we'll do another episode. We'll start looking through how it looked. But how long from when you had your first clean date to when you really sat down with your family to let them know what you were struggling with? What was the time frame there? Four days. Four beautiful days. I heard you on Tuesday, 
I told my wife on Friday, I couldn't take it. I was doing, hey, I was doing walks in the park. Yeah. You do walks in the, you, you know, I was listening yeah, to your walk yeah. in the park with Pop. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I thought, that's what I'm going to do. He said, get with nature. So I would go to the park with my dog. Yeah. I would just tell Wendy, hey, I'm going to go to the park and walk Max. And she was all happy. She didn't yeah. know anything wrong. Yeah. She knew nothing that was going on inside of me. And when I finally told her, she's like, oh, honey, I can't believe you lived in that torture for so long. I would have wow. helped. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I would take my dog to the park, listening to the podcast, listening to you, bro, and getting hope and getting centered. Like, you're what I had that first four days. I swear to God. And I would go do a little walk in the park with Max, my dog, take my shoes off. I would have my flip-flops on. I would kick them off, walk on the grass, because you talked about doing that and feeling yeah. nature, all that yeah. shit. Yeah. And I just was doing it, and it was working. Yes. It was helping me, man. Yeah. And, uh, but then that Friday, you had put the episode out. I couldn't deny that it was truth and that you were right. I knew if I denied it and rejected it, that I was rejecting truth. Yes. And I was rejecting recovery and I was rejecting forward progress. And I needed that. I knew I needed to do that and not go back like I always had when I had tried to stop before. Yes. So I had you and my brother, who's a pastor, he's 12 years older than me. He didn't know the half of it, but I called him on that Friday and I told him everything. Oh, God. Good, good. During the day. And he, he, and he listened to me and he said, Billy, I, first thing, I love you. Mm. And I, I don't know. I mean, and he's known my struggle with drugs since I was a little boy, since I was a kid. He's been there my whole life and loved me and just tried to help me and seeing me go through my struggles, seeing me in my, you know, pastored my weddings, you know, married me at my wedding. I mean, so we're close. And he said, look, man, I know this has been like your thorn in the flesh for your entire life, most of your life since you were a kid. And he knows the reasons why. And we've talked about all that. But um, he said, the only thing I can tell you is you need to tell Wendy Wow. I'm not going to tell her for you. Don't worry. Your secret's with me. But the sooner, the better. Nice. What he said. Nice. And shit, man, by the time I got home that night, my heart was pounding. I called my one buddy that was my confidant from church. Mm-hmm. And I just said, he didn't pick up. So I texted him. I said, his name's Dewey. I said, Dewey, start praying, man, because I'm going to tell her. Wow. And he was like, he texted me back before I got in my driveway. He said, oh, dang, man, I'm praying right now. Wow. do it because he had encouraged me to do the same thing yes, but yes you know but he was just like you got to do what you got to do bro i love you no matter what but i just want to see you get better but i'm with you no matter what oh my god your testimony is so powerful billy man because and you have to know like that episode i did wasn't easy i sat in my car I remember that day vividly it was raining that day like cats and dogs i'm stuck in the middle of new jersey and i read your email and then i said well you know, this is you're gonna be taking a step here, making this um, episode for this guy. You don't know him, and he reached out to you in confidence. And then, but I had, to, I just knew that it was very important to live. I knew that would be the next step. As long as we have the secrecy in our back pocket, that's the backdoor escape of the addiction. Exactly. When no one else is around, it's hard to be accountable when no one knows. So adding that extra layer of accountability and just putting it all out one it sets people on notice and then now you have kind of like an audience to and you're going to be more mindful so when you went in to talk to wendy and she was very positive it must have been such a weight lifted off of your shoulder bro man it was uh like her like she didn't get angry she didn't bad and I she just grabbed my hands we're sitting together on the couch and I told her I said I came home I was shaking my heart was pounding because I knew I was gonna and I just I said and I I, I'm not a real super serious guy you know and I sat her down and I looked right and I said honey I gotta tell you something and it's the worst thing I've had to tell you in 25 years wow and she said what like her eyes got big you know she's like a little girl you know she's very sensitive and but she's 
you know, but she's a badass too, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And she knows recovery. She's been in recovery since, you know, 1987 and, uh, and never relapsed. And, uh, and I told her, man, and, uh, and she just, she teared up with me and cry. She didn't say, how could you? She didn't say, oh my God, this is the, you know, how could you betray me? No, she didn't make it about her at all. All she was about was me, man. You were right. You were 100% right in my, in this case, man. Yeah. And, but the, the, yeah, you're right. It was a, it was a big weight lifted off because the disease had me, that was the worst one, the worst point, the loudest point that the disease would scream at me nonstop was that she was going to leave me. And she said, I'm not going anywhere. We're married. We, we got a life. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm not, I love you. We're, you know, this is, this is the, you know, there's for betters or for worses and this is a for worse. So what? Are you going to go to a meeting? Do you want to get clean or are you going to put me through, you know, you using and going back and forth and I just got to put up with you. I go, no, 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 honey. I want to get clean. I met this dude online. He helped me to get to this point. I didn't want to tell you. I said, no, I want recovery again. I don't know what it looks like. I'm scared to death to take a, go to a meeting and take a white, you know, welcome chip and have everybody look at me and sneer at me. She's like, they're not going to do that. They're waiting for you. Everybody's missed you. They love you. They want you, you know, you know, NA needs you. Yes. And I said, so I just got hope. Was, got and then hope. at the same time, my daughter, Sydney got home from work and just walked in and I kind of nutted up like, but then I'm like, go I ain't for keeping it. This. Yeah, you went yeah. for it. And, then, yeah. and she walked in and she's like, hey, guys, and threw her purse down. And then she saw, I could see it in her eyes. She saw something was up. She ran, She was talking to somebody on the phone. She walked down the hallway into her room, threw her phone on the bed, came walking out, sat down on the other side of me and put her hand on my leg. And she said, Dad, what's going on? Oh, man. So I was able to tell her and her eyes welled up with tears because she j- had just broke up, broke up with a guy whose dad had just died of the disease like a month prior. Wow. And she just said, Daddy, I'm just so glad that, that you didn't end up like uh, like Greg. Wow. Wow. You so, were right. You were right. Yeah, yeah and it all happened. Yes, and I commend you for that. And it was so, it's so amazing that while you was telling Wendy, your daughter walked in, you got a two-for-one deal. It was as if God was yeah. like, he prepared you for that moment and yeah. you were ready. And, and, and think about what I, the, the, the addiction is almost like, I tell people, it's so insidious that it will use your loved ones as ransom in your thoughts through fear to keep using. It's crazy. It's as if this thing is working against us in every way. That's why it's so important to find our refuge and to get clean, man. It makes me angry to think. When you say things like that, Pop, because you have this understanding of all these different facets of things and you put into words a lot of things that guys like me can't necessarily put into words. But when I hear it audibly over the airwaves through the podcast, it, you identify and you resonate and you go yeah that's right insidious yeah. this thing's insidious it wants to kill us yeah. use words like it's demonic yeah and comes from a dark dark place like where demons live and, yeah. and you identify that in your own uh uh addiction and your alcoholism and that's that's exact and that like that that hits addicts in the heart like an yeah. arrow and enables us to latch on to something and to <clears throat> continue to listen to Sober is Dope podcast episodes. But now, but then it goes, it gets deeper than that along the way. And you begin to hear more things you identify with down the road, you know, as, as, as the podcast goes on, as time goes on, as, as I began to correspond with you in emails and, and, and got encouragement. And not only that, but you know, I found myself having, you know, the joy, the opportunity, you know, humbly speaking to like when you would say you were hurting, when you were being transparent on the podcast, 
it would hit me in the heart also. And I would just say, I got to express some love to pop and just say, hey, I'm and I would stop and pray for you, whatever that thing was happening at the time with your brother, with the yeah. email. With the, yeah, thank you, thank you. I received. Yeah, and, and it, I, I just developed this love and I had something to latch on to. Meanwhile, I'm going back to meetings. And when I walked into my first meeting and did all that thing, that other mountain of fear I was yes. facing, Oh, everybody in the meeting just teared up and loved me. And like, it just be, you know, they just, I, I, I say I landed on a big soft pillow of grace, man. Wow. Beautiful. That's what it was in the fellowship. And then I became a part of, and they, people started calling me every day, checking on me and making sure I was doing okay with the kick in. And, you know, it was, you know, making it through my temptations because it was tough in the first few months. It was very tough. Yes. You know, driving around, I drive past the streets where I used to, you know, go pick up pills. It was, you know, the the doctor's office that I would go by. And uh, and man. yeah, your miracle the journey so, began. The journey began. The journey began, and now you're here. So um, I definitely appreciate it because you know I always. I identify my alcoholism and I express that, but the Sober Dope podcast is about all addictions, right? Yeah. It's about like we have the cleanest dope, we have recovery dope, yeah. we have sober dope. And I really wanted you to come on to reach out to the community um, because they, there's many people who listen to the podcast that can identify with your message. And uh, before we go, we did an episode a while back that struck a chord. You wrote, you wrote me a pre-lengthy email. It was about pain management and recovery and the issues in the country right now with people who are who find themselves in, injured and then they get put on these um strong pills right yep. these opioid pills these painkillers and then that lead them into stronger use of heroin and stuff like that and when i did that episode it was divided i had people calling me saying how dare you attack the pain management community how dare you how dare you and it wasn't a political spin for me it was more or less i just have a lot of people who i know are just normal people who um like we did an episode with this kid for this kid named creighton creighton shipman and where his mother name is nancy and she started a foundation called wake up carolina right and the poor kid was a lacrosse player who yeah. developed a, a, a leg injury and the doctor kept prescribing him these opioids and then he later got on to harder drugs and then and then died. And that's and that's what happened. So is there any advice you could give to anyone in the opioid community that may be struggling right now and um, just some blanket advice and anyone who may be dealing with pain management and that may have led them into something stronger and they're dealing with it in secrecy, so to say? So the the problem with the opioids and the painkillers in my opinion is that they they turn on that that real comfortable feeling that even if we have emotional pain we're going or if we have emotional pain not just physical pain that's where we begin to get one over to the addiction addictive part of of the opioids and that's why you know some years back which at that time i was clean thank goodness um you know doctors were just handing handing it out like candies it was lines outside of you know some of these urgent cares and stuff and they were just handing it out like it wasn't nothing and they're getting kickbacks from the you know pharmaceutical company sales people i mean it was, it's just a whole a whole system because big farm is trying to pump out all these pills okay. so people with an injury something minor that could be cured up pretty soon uh end up hooked then the doctors cut you off you can't get as many as you need i know a girl when i got clean one of my friends who had been who had been clean for a couple of years she had been on she was like 25 uh norcos and percocets a day oh my god that's like almost 700 pills she had to acquire a month and that that in itself i mean is crazy right and you're putting all this in that's how it started and then the the tolerance goes up you got to get more and then eventually you say hey screw it it's easier to get heroin in the streets it's Mm -hmm. easier to buy balloons downtown and that's how that happens but 
Um, so I think people, you know, and especially if you're an addict, <laughs> if you're an addict and you got an injury and you got to take medication, you've already been in some kind of fellowship treatment for addiction, you know, I mean, red alert, right? DEFCON 4, yes, you know? Yes, yes, right. right. And that was me, right? Okay. And then it, it just it just always, I, I always had it as a reservation because, and, and mainly it was for emotional pain that was untreated due to trauma and mm. depression, which again, I learned that about right. on the Sober is Dope podcast. But then there's this other thing, this other aspect to it of pain management where there is people with chronic pain and I think they're cutting back on them now, which is, is sort of sad if they need them. Yeah. It's tough. But you, you know, if you're in chronic pain, you have to be aware. Cause I know a couple people that way, you know, can you, what happens is the opioids take over your mind. <laughs> they take over and, and, and begin to do the work, like you said, of, of the serotonin and the dopamine. Yes. And in big, fat, <clears throat> like, like, like NFL linebacker size hits. You wow. Know what I mean? Yes, yes. And, and, you, and that's good. You know, you get used to that. And then that whole process convinces you that you need it for pain. Mm. And so physical pain, you're not talking about, you're not even considering what's happening to your mind and your emotions. And you're not even, even will, you become unwilling to even look at that because the thought of getting off of the opioids is petrifying emotionally. And so you go back to, I'm in pain, I need them, I need them, I need them. You won't even give 800 milligram Motrin's a try. You won't even, Tramadol, there's different things. And, and that's what people in chronic pain have to consider. Can you do it with chiropractic care, acupuncture, diet, exercise? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than taking this poison, but your mind at the time does not consider it poison. Yes. It's right. your miracle. It's your, it's your, you need it every day. And yes. if the doctors are going to keep giving it to you because you're in pain management, if it's that hardcore pain management, you know, and there's people with significant, you know, catastrophic injuries. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was in a meeting, uh, you know, because we're doing Zoom meetings now. I was in a, in a, in a NA meeting on the East Coast uh, a couple weeks ago, and this dude had 25 years clean. When he was 21, he was uh, he had an explosion in his face, burned 90% of his body. Wow. Was strung out on, and and the doctors told him, you know, this injury made you an addict because he was in the hospital, had had, had like 75 surgeries to rebuild his face. He has no ears, blah, 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 no hands, all that. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, and, and he got hopelessly hooked on, on the stuff they gave him in the hospital for pain. Obviously, he needed yeah, it. Correct. He got a multi-million dollar settlement. So this dude, when he finally got out of the hospital, back to home, multi-million dollar settlement. In nine years, he went, he w- he could have got any drug, any of the pain stuff from doctors. Mm-hmm. Because of his addiction, in nine years, he was on the streets, homeless, had none of that multi-million dollar. I think he got $5 million settlement. All gone. Damn, wow. Because of the disease of addiction, beginning with that payment. And eventually, he got clean, went through a halfway house, got clean, still deals with pain, but he's got 25 years clean. Oh, my God bless him. All that to say, I mean... You know, the, the pain medication is insid I mean it I think there's a special little something they put in there. Those yes. companies. Those companies, yes. Yep. Like like the tobacco business, like all of them to keep generations. Yes, people, people hooked. And that's why your testimony today was so important. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the great downtown Billy Brown, an inspiration to me, this gentleman. Um, you know, if I don't hear from you for like, uh, sometimes we go a little bit of time without talking to each other. And I always check my email and 
you know, Billy, you give me a lot of hope. You know, I'm still going through it myself. You're going through it. We This is a lifetime calling and we're in our recovery and God is with us and it's this peace, you know. And I want to say to you, since you wrote that first email, it's been nothing but good news. You know, you've been telling me about your, you know, your plays. You got a new, you know, your your life seems like every time I hear from you, you reconnecting with your kids. You you have these new, you know, new, your career is doing well. You're in good fellow fellowship is nothing but upside right you're right. just living your dream and you're at peace and i want to give you you know there's a lot of respect and props that go out to you for doing it on your own i mean we encourage people to do whatever they need to to find their find their recovery and you sweated it out you did it on your own you found your tribe right so if you're out there struggling find your tribe find people that could help you that could be in your corner right yeah don't stay off the reservation yeah don't, get exactly get back to your tribe and that'd be, that yeah. could be one person so billy i want to have you on again you're a very important guest your family to the sober is dope podcast so you're one of our founding listeners and founding members so you're always home and and it's thank you so family much. be a part yeah, of there's man. a thank you so I much. encourage anybody out there that Here's this, man. Join the family because it really is. And not that this is your only recovery source, but this family, if you're a person that listens to podcasts, you have the type of work or you're commuting a lot, this is so positive to build you up, teach you how to live. You know, there's so many things that, that you talk about, Pop, to help you stay clean because you can be abstinent from drugs. But if your health sucks and you're, you know, in pain and feeling crappy all the time because of the food you eat, if you're not, you know, getting enough oxygen and air and with this COVID, you're not getting outside and, you know, getting some sort of contact with people, man, the disease creep up on you and come in the side window at night, any which away. And then all of a sudden your old, you know, that old thinking pops in and like, oh yeah, wouldn't a beer be good right now? Yeah, oh, man. You know, we're, you, your old friend to make you feel better right now yeah. and, and take you out just as quick and back into that hellhole when com this community here embraces you and loves you, but has the information and the way that God has gifted you to speak uh, to really get in our, get in people's heads to each, each type of different individual, addict, alcoholic, person that's suffering there's something for everybody on uh, on sober is dope man well thank so you Billy. out there you know become part of the family yeah yes well yes ladies and gentlemen become part of the family so billy yes. thank you very much if anyone wanted to pick your brain or reach out to you um you have any way anyone could contact you um or hit me up on facebook billy brown okay. i'm in uh i'm in los angeles southern california los angeles california I'm okay. an LA native, born and raised here. All right. I'm out pop so we can yep. go uh, kick it on the beach and do yep. a little surf lesson. We and will, we will. Boys. My 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 sister just moved to LA. She just bought a yeah. house out there. My baby sister, so I'll be out there soon. Billy, yeah. God bless you. Congratulations on your recovery success. You're a champ. You handled it very well, and this episode is going to help thousands of people. I love you, Billy. You have a beautiful day, and thank you for checking in. Yeah, I love you, Pop. Thanks. I have to catch you on the other side.
You're the God of miracles. 